You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN Gamescoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. Joining me this week are Sam Claiborne. Am I joining you? you Remains are. to be seen. Bro. You are Justin Davis. Scoop. And sitting in for Tina this week is Michael Swaim. I am joining you. I can confirm that. Checked with my yes. representation. All right. All right. We, we got a brown noser on the team. <laughs> well, we've got a great show for you this week. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Horizon, which I'm still playing, and I want to get um, Swain's thoughts on it. Actually, I'm just I'm just assuming that he's playing it. I didn't even ask him if he's playing it before this. We'll find out in just a moment. Uh, we'll also take a look back at this week in gaming history. Some notable titles are enjoying a birthday this week. But first, you know, when we're recording this episode, it's still a few hours until Elden Ring is out by the time this episode's published. It'll be out and a bunch of our viewers and listeners will be playing it, I'm sure. But I don't know about you guys. I can't remember a time when uh, hype for a game was this high before release as, as it is for Elden Ring. I mean, they Just, nailed it. Yeah. I mean, obviously, people have been looking forward to this game for a long time. And now like the reviews are out this week. It got a 10 from IGN, the first 10 of 2022. But it's received universal cl- acclaim across the board. One of the best reviewed games in modern history. Uh, and I just, I feel like everyone is just couldn't, it, I feel like people are more excited for this game than any game I can remember on the eve of, of its release. I, I like, I do think it's that those reviews, like the promise of like yeah. FromSoft is finally making an open world Dark Souls game, like the thing that people have been asking for forever. But like, I think it was an open question. Like, will they pull it off? Like, have they bit off more than they can chew? And so, like, the, that anticipation level combined with, you know, 10 from IGN, 10 from GameSpot, like, universal, overwhelming acclaim, like, one of the highest reviewed games of all time. Like, I think that's what's really sent the hype into the stratosphere of, like, mm-hmm. if this game was getting, you know, eights, which is still a great score. Eight is great on the IGN review scale, but, yeah. like, it's punched through into that echelon of, like, greatest of the greats just in terms of like you know critical opinion that like that that it's earned it a new sort of sheen of hype on the eve of release in my opinion yeah over on metacritic it sits at a 97 uh only four games have received a score higher than that at 98 ocarina of time being one of them so at metacritic sits with mario galaxy 1 and 2 red dead redemption 2 and gran turismo 5 and then over at Open Critic, it's got a 96. The only game to ever beat that score is Mario Odyssey with a 97. And it sits alongside Breath of the Wild, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Gran Turismo 5. So, I mean, like, that seems to be, like, the caliber of game that we're dealing with here. I haven't gotten to play it yet. I think my code got stuck in the mail somewhere. Sam, mm-hmm. 
Did you press start on Elden Ring yet? Yeah, yeah, I played a few hours of it. Um, you know the tutorial I see you to jump off a cliff? Yeah. I think that's the general sentiment of, of uh, a Souls-like game, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's like a guy's like, oh, hey, hey, Wanderer, you know, it doesn't say this is where the tutorial is. It's just like, take the plunge or something, and then you <laughs> jump off there, and that's the tutorial is. If you don't jump off, the cliff, then you don't get a tutorial and you just get put out in the open world. Oh, uh, okay. About the same as having a tutorial in a game like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think people that like Dark Souls are going to love this and it's going to attract probably a very small new audience of people that will buy this because of the tens and then hopefully enjoy it, but maybe a lot of them won't because it's the same thing. That's, That's not a criticism. It's just the same thing. That's interesting. You think it, uh, you think there's going to be a very small audience that aren't existing Soulsborne fans. Will that stick with it? Yeah, I mean, it's like every time one of these comes out, it's like, this is the one. This is the one you're all going to get into. And it happens with Monster Hunter also. And like, this game does not, this game is not made to welcome a new audience. Again, not a criticism. People don't want that. It's totally fine. But like, that's, this this is not doing that. But it claims to be like, and this is the thing. It claimed that the ending would be attainable for more people, which I don't know what that makes sense. as. But it has a tutorial instead of being like fucking figure it out. <laughs> well, they all have the same idea where it's like you can you can sneak around and, and stab people, or you can block people, or. But you know what's funny is that once once they turn you over into the uh, the the open world, they start piling on things. It's like, well, you know, this thing allows you to summon spirits and this and this and this, and yeah. this thing is a dagger that allows you to cast things, and it's like none of that makes any sense when you get the things that you can't even do it until later. And so that's, that's kind of like a funny thing that happens, but also it's completely missable. So it's yeah. like, you can, you can, you can miss all of the important stuff. You could not craft the entire game unless you buy something at the first merchant, for example. Uh, <laughs> it's really think, funny. So like use a strategy guide, no matter what. Like the game being open world. Sorry, Swim, is um like, it, it's such a blessing and a curse of like, the the oppressive difficulty of those games um or, or like not oppressive difficulty but the thing that's so demoralizing about them is like there's a boss it feels impossible and you have to beat it like the only way you just have to go through that boss and that's the only thing that you can do whereas in elden ring you you can just leave yeah. you can just say no thank you and you can just turn around and walk in another direction and that's so freeing and so important to how difficult and oppressive and sort of challenging these games feel knowing that you have the freedom and option to go somewhere else. But the thing that makes it a double-edged sword is I, I could already tell if I were to play this game, I would never be sure. I'm like, is this, is this what I'm supposed to be doing right now? Or yeah, did I ax- like it, like, like that, that uncertainty of like, did I accidentally skip five bosses ahead and I'm beating my head against the wall or like, no, or is this actually supposed to be this hard? And so, that that freedom of choice, like in this game, you can just hose your character build. <laughs> like, well, I built my character the wrong way, and now, you know, in 30 hours, I'll get the option to respec. So, like, I'm drawn to Elden Ring. I'm considering it, but like, mm, I I don't know. I don't know. You, I've I keep getting fooled by these Souls like <laughs> games. Yeah, yeah I just don't, I don't don't go ahead, swing. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say I'm the exact demographic that we're like dancing around where they feel almost like uh, Academy Award nominees or Criterion Collection releases where I'm like, all right, I know I'm supposed to really like this. I better settle in and like engage with it as a piece of art and start chipping away at, <clears throat> you know, my ma- or like I do need that release valve. So it's very exciting that it's open world. I think I am in that small percentage who hopefully will be won over by all the systems changes and it's just different enough because I will say of all the from software games and I've played them all and I've never completed any of them. Uh, I got the closest with Sekiro and I did like it the most because it had that release valve of there was a stealth component. There was an additional system that varied like what the way in which you could interact with that difficulty curve. But I really wonder speaking of 96 on Metacritic, like who the stinker is and what their issue was with it. (laughs) Um, Because yeah, it just seems like a big mountain to climb. And I just finished Sifu, which also felt like that, but somehow it was more brought me back to like streets of rage sort of feeling. And I was okay with that. Um, And you got through it though. I did. I barely got through it, but it does have those moments where you just stop and you play that boss 25 times in a row 
Uh, and I Metroidvania is probably my favorite like subgenre of game. And those have those too. And for some reason, I'm okay with that. I was okay with Sifu. I am not okay with the bosses and from software games. So I'm very excited that you can just walk away. I'm also still a stalwart, like never use a guide or look anything up guy, which I think just might be my problem and my fault. Like, I don't know that we live in a reality. I mean, look, I can pick up my phone and connect to any piece of information humanity's ever recorded. Why am I still like, I don't use strategy guides. I don't really know, (laughs) but I am that way. And so I'll just pick up like, you know, that's the other thing with the lore in these games is you'll pick up like a piece of doom chalk and it'll say like, well, you could wipe this on your blade to make it, you know, and you you have to play with everything to figure out. And you go, oh, I see that brings people in for co-op. I had no idea. I, I had to write a welcome sigil with my doom chalk or what have you. But the other big piece of news that we reported on recently is that the co-op seems to be uh, opened up right in a very considerable way. And I'm very excited about that. Because I do have that annoying from software friend who they are all his favorite games. And uh, mm-hmm. he's like, well, just stick with me, Swaim. I'll just co-op you through the whole thing. And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's what I'm going to do. And I think hopefully that will make it like digestible for me. Yeah. And I think that's a totally valid way to play through these. I don't know if there's a certain like dopamine rush people seem to get when they finally do master it and beat that boss after the 25th time. I don't, man. I just get really, really discouraged. And when I finally beat one of the bosses, I go, oh, thank goodness. Now more like exploring. Um, Because the thing that does really capture my imagination is monster design and the level design. Like the worlds are just so incredible. It's one of from software games are games that I love to watch streamed. And I don't watch a lot of casual streams, but uh, I'll just like muse on Man, whoever drew Sekiro really nailed it. He looks so cool. That wooden arm is so great. Uh, I can't play it for beans, but whatever. You know, it's a fun ride. So yeah. here's hoping. I mean, they, they keep the thing that I really respect about FromSoft, even though, you know, I think I've made my peace with the fact that these games aren't for me, is that that developer in that studio is not sitting still, right? Like, like Bloodborne mm-hmm. and Sekiro, like the Dark Souls games were like, 80s ish on Metacritic. And again, not that Metacritic is the end all be all, but like as a summary of like overall critical opinion, you know, they're in the 80s. And then you had Dark Soul or you had uh, Bloodborne and Sekiro at like a 90. And now you have Elden Ring at a 95. And they keep pressing themselves and Sekiro being so much more action oriented um, and arcadey. And then Elden Ring, you know, shifting into the open world. Like it didn't have to be that way. Like a lesser studio would be making Dark Souls five by now and it would be the same stuff and the same bonfires and um, their willingness to sort of continue evolving this genre and um, sort of just go from strength to strength and say, you know, no, we're the kings of making this mm-hmm. kind of game is, um, you know, like nothing but respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I've been super happy playing horizon as i mentioned last week but you know i feel like any game that gets a 10 from ign and receives universal acclaim as as eldering has i feel like it's my responsibility to at least <laughs> check it out you know as a video game commentator <laughs> pundit whatever you want to call what, it, what this this thing that i do with my career um so i will be checking it out but sam at least from your your, your you say you played a couple hours of it uh it sounds like it didn't immediately change your mind uh, on your stance on these games is that correct i mean i i i've played enough of dark souls 3 like you know whatever six to eight hours of it that i, I knew when i quit like i'd had enough of it and like i'm not to that point at all a couple <laughs> hours in like i want to play more of this game and i think it's cool like I, I i i'm really excited to try something this time that might get me more into this game i have an open mind and i used our things to do first guide which was like incredibly helpful incredibly helpful uh for this game and now uh i'm at a point where um this is not fun but it's part of the game i have to beat the same enemies over and over again level up to use a weapon and Mm -hmm. expect a lot of that right it's like the enemies in my region can either kill me immediately or i can kill them slowly and i have to kill a lot of those enemies you know, slowly, there's a few areas I can stealth and kill a bunch of enemies, but they don't give me enough runes anymore. So it's like, I'm in that place where it's like, yes, there's some open worldness, but like, really what I need to do is get stronger um, to do the next thing in the game. And um, that means grinding. And I'm not, you know, I'm, 
I'm, I don't know if I'm going to like that grinding or not. Uh, I did a similar amount of grinding in Horizon that I really liked that I've talked about, where it's like knocking components off dinosaurs to make better weapons to knock more components off dinosaurs. Like that loop really worked for me. So just mm-hmm. looking for that loop in this game. I might have to scrap this character and respec entirely Oof. and start over. Um, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, it's so hard to tell because there's so many systems that are like opaque. I mean, like I can't do anything but use a sword and shield right now. Like that's there's a lot of systems in this game, but like they're not you can't just start out being like, I'm a magic user. Here's a bunch of magic I'm throwing around like, you know, everybody's going to start in kind of the same place. In your first one quick question, your first couple hours is um, the uh, participation of George R.R. Martin evident at all. Mm -hmm. Oh no 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 no! There's just like there's like you know a couple sentences of of like establishing the world and it's a bunch of fantasy catchphrases you know like this ring was broken up and the round table took it on and like that's let those that's real real stuff that I'm talking about there. Mm. That's exactly what I was going to ask. So it's still sort of arcane. It's like and you get little pieces and you have to sort yeah, of yeah. fill it in. It's arcane yeah, with okay. little pieces and like George R. R. Martin filled in the Mad Libs, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, I, and again, like, that's, that's not a bad thing. I'm not, I don't care enough about this game to criticize it at this point. I need to play more of it, but like, it's not like you're going to go in there and be like, wow, this is what Game of Thrones season eight should have been. <laughs> I already, I already know. I already know I can see it. I'm going to get the game and install it. And then I'm going to get to the first or second boss and be like, yep, I still don't like these games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll see. I'll, I'll go into like, it with an open mind when I, when I, when I get a chance, I will go into it with an open mind and I I'll report do. back <laughs> and I always back. leave feeling bad about myself. <laughs> yep. It's like this, this is the last one, Damon, where like after this, I'm happy for y'all, but you know what? It's no. just not for me. Till Elden Ring two gets an 11 and 110 yeah. out of a hundred. And then you just they pull you back in, you know, yep. but I Here do suspect again. a bunch of people are going to read these reviews and see the Metacritic score and for the rest of our lives buy this game. So like, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Hmm. I do uh, like the last point I wanted to make. And it's something that Mitchell really pointed out in uh, his review for IGN was um, like, I don't mind. I have this reputation as like, Justin doesn't like hard games. Like I'll play crazy hard games. I just get so demoralized and upset about like lost progress and being sent way back and doing Hmm. stuff again. Like I'll try something 50 times and grind my way through it. If I can like, like retry right then. And so, this game being a little bit more generous and tighter with its checkpoints and save points of like before a hard boss, there's a save point and you don't need to go through an enemy gauntlet again. Like for me, that has potential to be a total game changer. Cause like I'll bang my head against something as long as I don't have to get 15 minutes to get there again. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's like a tiny, you know, tiny, not so tiny detail that actually makes me really uh, intrigued and more interested in checking out Elden Ring. Yeah, I haven't seen that hasn't been an issue with this. Like the the save spots have been really near where I die each time and stuff like that. So that's good. Yeah, Um, that's awesome. I I, I kind of mentioned this in MVC. We talked about uh, Elden Ring a little bit and I just kind of edged into this. But like for for me, playing this game right now is like playing Madden. And I don't and I don't I don't I know I know football like I know how it works and I've played football. But like I don't remember anything. I never watch any football and like I don't. Like if I had to sit there and like learn the controls for Madden, like play a football game, like that wouldn't be like in in any way easy for me to learn without, you know, lots of tutorials and and guides and stuff like that. And like there is a class of people that have already had that done and they know all this. And so when I when I'll talk, I've, I've talked about Elden Ring all day, every day for weeks now. And it's like, you know, uh, and I'll bring up something like, hey, you know, <laughs> It seems weird to me that, you know, you have to like, I, I just got a, I, for instance, this is a real thing. I just risked my, my butt a whole lot. And, and I went into some places I shouldn't have and did the thing you're supposed to do, which like delve out. Right. Which I really like doing in games. Anyway, that's like my favorite thing. I was talking about that. So this game has that in spades. So I did that. And then my reward was like cool, high level weapons. And I was like, oh, these are awesome. And I go to equip them and I'm like, well, I won't be able to use these weapons for three years. Because like, what? because they're not they're not for me. They're like you. They require strength, whatever. And I have strength six, you know. <laughs> and so it's like, what was the risk reward there? Really? Like, what really was it? It was just yeah. risk. It was just yes, right? Like yeah. I could have gone there when I was leveled up and done that. So that is not a universal problem with these games. That is a thing that I did not know about these games that I needed to know. 
right? That is a rule that this game is not going to tell you unless you do that. And like this game did teach me that. I now know like, hey, hey, stupid, don't go delving like that anymore. <laughs> but like also, isn't that the point of the game? So like, like it's just like, I don't know. That's just that's that's the demoralizing stuff that Michael's talking about, which like some people yeah. get a kick out of and like I'll be open minded about it. But like, I think that's bullshit. <laughs> At the same time, I'm excited to see an open world treatment. Well, I mean, I've scrupulously avoided like finding out about the systems and whatnot. Are there outposts of low level baddies you clear out? And are there yeah, and you viewpoints do it over, you, you climb to? Oh, viewpoints. No, there's no viewpoints, but like there is like a outpost type thing that happens where it's like a cluster of like enemies. Like there's really early mm-hmm. on, there's like a, a like a soldier base, right? And they're all guarding treasure chests and like cool stuff and yeah it, you can infiltrate that uh with stealth if you want you know which is a big part of it you know which is cool or you can leave people out with you know arrows if you have that as part of your build or there's all kinds of ways to do it and that that's you know it's like it's like baby's first metal gear like it's that mm. low you know it's not this game is not <laughs> built or built around systems like that but it's in there you know yeah. And there's dogs that hunt you and they get on top of a wall. They just spin like a flat circle, like they're on a, you know, like a turntable. That's another thing about these games. Like the, the, the gameplay is so intense in them that like you cannot bend a bunch of like graphics to be amazing in them because like everything has this long animation and like that means it's going to spin look funny a lot, you know? Like right. it's just like, it's, it's really funny to see this like after seeing like even Horizon where it's like, well, these dinosaurs are complex and crazy, but like, they always kind of look like they're dinosaurs attacking you. Whereas this game looks like it's kind of looks like a character model attacking you a lot of the time. And it might be really cool. It, you know, there's Although no, one, no problem with that. I'll push back just slightly. The slide in horizon goes so far. Yeah, I've never true. seen anyone slide so far. She can slide to like feel kind of 20 feet, 30 yeah. feet. It's crazy. <laughs> this episode of game scoop is brought to you by Nord VPN. As scoop nation knows your Omega cops have been a little obsessed with a movie called weekend at Bernie's lately. But as happens too often these days, it is difficult to find it streaming here in the U.S. That's where NordVPN comes in. With NordVPN, you can switch your virtual location to a more enlightened region where they appreciate the comic delights of Weekend at Bernie's. And it's not just for streaming movies and shows. Switching your virtual location can allow you to save money by purchasing flights, hotels, and subscriptions from other countries at a cheaper price. And you can do all this worry-free as NordVPN threat protection features protect you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. Best of all, NordVPN costs the price of a cup of coffee a month, and one account can be used on up to six devices. To get the best discount on your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com gamescoop. Our link will also give you four extra months on the two-year plan. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. That's nordvpn.com gamescoop. One in five Americans has learned a new language on their bucket list, or life backlog, if you will. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Upgrade your personal skill set in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Its tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. I have a trip to Mexico coming up, so I've been using Babbel to brush up on my Spanish. The courses are short and sweet, so I can do one whenever I have a few minutes to spare. And the words and phrases it teaches you are designed for practical, real-world use, like ordering at a restaurant or asking for directions. Babbel can even provide you feedback on your pronunciation with its speech recognition tech. And it's not just for Spanish. Babbel includes 14 different language courses, each backed by a 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for Scoop Nation. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, only for our listeners, at babbel.com gamescoop. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com gamescoop, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com gamescoop. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of Horizon and Outposts and Viewpoints, Swain, did you play Forbidden West? Oh, yes, absolutely. I'm wearing my um, bright purple and pink, like big blocky colors in honor of the Tanakh. Uh, I'm I'm very into it. It should be called Horizon One Dawn as the sequel to Zero Dawn. I maintain that. Um, (laughs) But I'm really enjoying Forbidden West. I got to say, when I played Zero Dawn, I felt very much like I remember thinking repeatedly, what a great 
ground floor to get in on. It felt a little light in the terms of systems and mechanics, but I found myself thinking repeatedly, man, the sequel to this is going to rip. And I really think by and large, it does like I can nitpick little things like the slide. Aloy doesn't make eye contact with people enough. That weirds me out. Um, But by and large, like the combat's deeper. I find that there's, they took things that were in the first game, like, um, you know, shooting an arrow to make rocks fall or what have you. And they combine them really smartly with the new stuff like the pull caster and the shield wing Mm -hmm. uh, to just make, I find the emergent gameplay of the combat situations much deeper. Uh, I, again, just was obsessed with Sifu. I'm a real big fan of Sifu, if you couldn't tell. And I think the only thing that I could compare it like unfavorably in that regard is that the melee combat, the bow and arrow combat is like unparalleled. I think I love the trip caster and all the new stuff they added, whatever. The one where you like high lie, throw a spinny disc is also great. Um, but the, the melee combat to me feels a little floaty and a, a little disconnected, but I feel like that's because I'm playing it in the wake of Sifu where everything just felt so tight and like every yeah. punch was so crisp and meaty. Um, so I like to stealth and I like to use my bow and arrow. I don't really like getting into spear fights with like human enemies, especially, but yeah. I also just realized today I have more of the warrior tech tree to unlock that will allow me to apparently jump off of enemies chests and shoot them from the air. So I'm very much looking forward to doing that. I will say we're spoiled for choice. It's like expansive in the true sense of the word. So much you can do so many places you can go. That's like, and to compare to Elden ring or just like to grind in this game to, or at least to get more powerful and level up quickly. You there's like eight different types of things you can do. It's not just, go through the corridor again and fight the same baddies again. It feels like, you know, you can climb and uh, do a climbing puzzle and collect a lens, or you could go craft an upgrade, or you can shoot parts off dinosaurs and craft mm-hmm. more, or you can just explore. Uh, Exploration is my favorite. I think like short of, personally, I'm a big weather and lighting guy. And uh, mm-hmm. short of Red Dead Redemption 2, I think this is the best like lighting and weather system I've ever seen. Seriously, in a game. I'll yeah. agree with that. Good Very snow. beautiful. Very snow and yeah, she loves to comment on the snow too, the flakes oh, on her shit. lashes and whatnot. Yeah, guess we'll um, off later. <laughs> send this to my stash. Uh, I'm, I'm still playing it every day. I, I still love it. I, I I I think I've moved the story forward very little because, like I said last week, I'm just running around to question marks on my map uh, and just doing whatever happens to be there. But I think Sam, maybe you'll back me up on this. Uh, uh, um, uh, to Swaim's point about the melee, I don't think the combat system in Horizon is really meant to be played as a melee. I think it, you're no. it's most, Roll, mostly yeah. rolling and arrows, right? Yeah, I, my sphere is just for like you know whatever the um, their stealth kills are and your overrides. That's yeah, really you, all you, I can, use it for. you can do like no damage with it, and then with your yeah. with the, there's also the critical strike when you yeah, sneak up, when right. you go up that's to someone when it's knocked down. I love yeah. that. But yeah, totally. Like it's like I, I love the. the a lot of the weapons we talked about last week, but like the spike thrower, the exploding yeah. spikes are super cool. And like, once you yeah. start mixing up with like, I'm doing elemental damage with this thing. And then I'm going to do damage with this other thing. It's all projectile. based. Yeah. I feel like mm-hmm. bolt okay. caster is great too. Yeah. And um, the world what, just combination of future and past elements always gets me. I'm a sucker for that. Mm. Yeah. The San Francisco area is really cool too. Yeah. Um, uh, Swaim, uh, you, rem- uh, this reminded me when you asked about if Elden ring had towers, it does have things that reveal the map that serve the purpose of towers. And so okay. if you're going to go like that, like you're going to climb a tower, what are they called? Tall necks? Like oh, Elden nice. Ring does have that as like little monuments you walk up to and then it reveals the map. So it does have that. So I've, if I've seen one enemy base and I've seen one of that, then it's, it's, uh, we can go ahead and start calling it a Far Cry like, right? That's the okay. thing is, I guess, as, as appealing <laughs> as it is for a lot of people to see from software do an open world game. I'm a big fan of open world games who mm-hmm. finds them to sort of converge and become samey. And I'm excited to see a company as unique as from software do that for the sake <clears throat> of that formula being yeah. changed up a bit. So I'm hoping it is decidedly different from a thing like far cry six or even a horizon. Mm-hmm. Well, I'd like to start thinking of it that way. Then I'll, I'll start trying to play it as like a discover areas, you know, open world game and see how punishing that is. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Okay, so that's Elden Ring, Elden Ring and Horizon. And Justin, you're still playing Cyberpunk? 
Uh, I love it so much. I mean, yeah. like I said yeah. last week, I lo- I loved it the first time around, and I like I made it. Um, I made it past like I played maybe twenty hours of it at launch, and I'm past that now. So I'm into new content, which is really exciting. Um, it, you know, obviously a lot has been made about the visual fidelity. I'm playing in performance mode and um and sixty fps, but there's like underrated. It was like one little bullet in their patch notes where uh, they redesigned kind of the combat AI to make them more aggressive and they switch weapons more and use cover more. And like that totally changes the way the game plays, in my opinion. Like I'm feeling pressed by enemies a lot more often. There's dudes with swords and stuff sneaking up behind me and causing me to sort of scramble around and use the combat arenas more. Um, So like there's tiny, like the rebalancing of the skill trees actually makes you put a little bit more care and consideration in how you build your characters. So I, like the visual upgrades on the next gen consoles or, you know, current gen consoles is, is, uh, you know, not to be written off. Like that's obviously the most visible improvement that they made, but, you know, CD project has continued kind of tinkering under the hood. And I think just made what was already a pretty impressive game, um, a lot better. I do look forward to, you know, I, I, I've mentioned, I've, I've revisited a lot of the best games of the past few years when they were upgraded for next gen. I played through God of War and Ghost of Tsushima and Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order over again. So the next time there's a lull in new releases, I'll jump back into Cyberpunk. Wait, one more tiny. I just like the, the, when the game launched, it was almost laughable how you got into the open <laughs> world and then it just dumped a billion side quests on you. Mm. And like, this is such a tiny change and it's actually a superficial change like but but it doles them out to you now so like you don't get all the side quests at once and gigs at once like it gives them to you over time and like the difference that that makes and how like alive the world feels and it feels like you're building up relationships with these people and these fixers mm-hmm. like it's a total night and day difference even though it's like a tiny change of like you know i'm just getting random texts from people now that i haven't you know it's like Oh, it was last week I was doing a mission for you, and then they want me to go do something else for them. And like it it, it makes it feel really different, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's cool. So I think you said you liked Cyberpunk. Will you play it uh, again? Oh yeah. I I've just started a nomad and I'm cool. just got the the chip. I won't spoil anything if people haven't played it, but it does it feels finished. So if you were waiting like No Man's Sky style for the product to be finished, it does feel finished now. And I I, I had a lot of fun with it the first time through. Uh, cause I was playing it on the new gen systems and, uh, didn't run into too many glitches, definitely nothing game breaking, but I got to say it feels completely refreshed. I agree with Justin a hundred percent. It's great. Nice. There's still one really funny bug that I, it, I've, I've mostly like, I see some normal open world bugginess, but like one sort of cyberpunk specific thing is whenever a character has something in their hand, I'd say there's a 10% chance that where their character model is and where their phone or whatever is <laughs> will be out of sync. And so then there's a phone flying wildly through the air as the <laughs> character models doing their animation or whatever. Like they're not, they're not locked up with things in their hands. And like, cool. it's, it's those kind of bugs that like, you know, they're almost more fun than just like, well, great. Now I have to go back 30 <laughs> minutes to restore a save. Like, nasty bugs mm. those those have all been squashed in. and they've completely changed the way the screen on delivery drop points looks but delivery is still spelled wrong which makes me wonder if it was <laughs> intentional the whole time or they're just trying to make it seem like it was intentional the whole time <laughs> they, they changed it but left it wrong yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay it's still de- it's it's deliberate it's got to be Okay, this week in gaming history, uh, looking back, the games that were released this week, uh, the week of February 21st, some notable releases that we've played in the past. Three years ago, in 2019, Anthem was released. Oh, boy. I played a lot of Anthem. You played a lot of it? Really? Yeah, I know. Well, what I think is interesting, and and very sad, actually, is uh, this week, three years ago, Anthem was released. This week, one year ago, Bioware announced development was ending on Anthem. <laughs> two years just, of support yep. for that game, though. Two years That's of support. Surprising. They tried. They tried for two years. Yeah, I can't believe you played a lot of it. Damn. Well, because I, I, we talked about it on GameScoop at the time. I was trying to figure out if it was fun to play a single player without, you know, any, mm-hmm. any, mm-hmm. any online hanky panky, right? So I just took missions and played. There was just, like nothing else out. It was just Played a bunch of it, and um, yeah, it's not fun. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, kind of dull. You know, it's like it had some cool flying, and it felt good sometimes. But you know, it was mainly just go clear out enemies and go home. Yeah, yeah. 
Bioware is in a sad state. I know they're, they've got another Dragon Age, another Mass Effect they're working on. Hopefully they can turn things around. Uh, and this week, 2018, here's a good one. Metal Gear Survive. Oh, oh boy. boy. Yeah, Konami's first Metal Gear without Kojima. And last. Metal Gear in name only, I think. It was like an open world survival, kind of a roguelike game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one, nobody, very few nope. people remember that one. This week in 25th, oh, I'm sorry, 2016, Far Cry Primal was released. Oh, a game that, that I really game. like. I know it's not yeah. a popular Far Cry game, but it's very unusual to play a game in a prehistoric setting. I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I like Far Cry and I, I like that one a lot too. Was Far Cry in an early part of like Q1 uh, like zone for a while? Was it? It was because Far Cry 5 was also early like February and then mm-hmm. uh, Far Cry New Dawn was in the same. Yeah, and then at, cool. to be, you know, remember Far Cry six was supposed to be out in February last that's year. Correct. correct. Got delayed from that. Mm-hmm. 2015, the order 1886 sure. PS4 exclusive. Was that yeah. one of the best looking, oddly best looking PS4 games yeah. kind of ever. Yeah. Very that's good. It's a really game. tough 20 questions for us. Every time you pick it every time. <laughs> yeah. And going back, man, there's some interesting games that are out this week. 2012 Asura's wrath. Mm-hmm. Who remembers mm-hmm. Asura's Wrath from Capcom? I think oh, you no. and I went to a preview of that at, at E3, Damon. Or we just Probably. played it on the show floor, but it was like it was just like a long F, uh, quick time event. It's like, it's like anime cuts, anime quick time events. The game, mm-hmm. and it was actually pretty good. It's just yeah. it was like it's a, an unusual one off from Capcom, a, a, a yeah. developer that loves to make sequels. Uh, 2011 was Bulletstorm. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, they remade it recently, or sort of, you know, uh, remastered it recently. Very strange uh, shooter where that was it leaned on just like profanity and over the yeah, top. Yeah, it was like a, a Duke Nukem esque. Yeah. They, they had funny kicking mechanics in that. Yeah. Remember that? You yeah, could that shoot people, then kick them really far. And then they sent us a uh, pack of hamburger meat with hair oh and bullet casings in it to the office. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't remember that, the, but wow. Quite I played a PR through, I either beat Bulletstorm or, you know, played through like many, many hours of it. And the only thing I can specifically recall is the kicking. Yeah. Just, just there's so much of it. Lots of kicking. It's so, and it was so satisfying. Um, in 2010, another PlayStation exclusive was released for PS3. Heavy Rain was out this week. Mm-hmm. Wow. 10 years ago. I wonder yeah. if, I'd love to hear if Swaim has an opinion on Heavy Rain. It seems like it might be your kind of game. Might. I haven't gotten around to it yet. Haven't I, gotten around I to it. I know yet. about it, but never played it now. Uh, You're into the weeds for me now. I don't know Bulletstorm really? either. Yeah. Oh, well. Origami. Remember the Origami Killer? The Origami Killer. That's yeah. he- okay. It just clicked. Yeah. At least I can imagine the cover in my head now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, Heavy Rain, I'm not going to spoil it. I, this 12 <laughs> year old game. It's got one of the biggest, most egregious plot holes in any sort of like story driven <laughs> game of all time. Or like, if you think about it for more than a second, the entire game makes no sense. But I'll, oh, I'll I love that. stories like that. That sounds right up my alley for sure. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you after. <laughs> it, it has a Sean button, right? When you walk around and shout Sean. Sean! It's not, it's not Jason? Isn't it Jason? Jason? Is that Jason. What it is? I can't remember. Jason. Yeah, Jason. Jason. That sounds right. Two syllables. Jason. Right. Yeah. I think the other son might be Sean. Okay. It's another know. game that I played through the whole thing and can barely recall. I definitely yeah. beat Heavy Rain. <clears throat> And finally, released this week in 2007, the original Crackdown was out. Oh, that oh boy. Yeah. Notably, it, what it included a demo of Halo 3, right? Yep. Yeah. Love that Dude, demo. Crack, yeah. It, was, it was a clap. Like that game sold a million people bought that game just to play Halo 3 for like two or three weeks or whatever. But then Crackdown won those people over based off its own quality and own mm-hmm. merits. And like yeah. that was the journey that I went on where I'm like, okay, okay, this game's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Although I will forever, I know I've brought it up on the show before, but it's law that I have to bring it up anytime Crackdown comes up, where I got 499 of the 500 (laughs) fucking orbs in that game. (laughs) And I never found the last one to this day. And like, there's no, there's no like homing device or map and you can't use like a game guide because it just has 500 dots on it. And I don't know which one I don't have. And so that achievement is just forever sitting there unachieved. And it, like I had 498 forever, and then I found one of them, 
And then I never, I never found the last one. I'm still heated about it, Damon. Yeah, I can tell. I mean, that's two f bombs from you this episode. So that's I know, true. That's I know you're good, feeling okay. spicy. I'll, yeah. yeah, I'll, I'll put a. I'll We're put no a, longer in PG-13 territory here. Got okay. a platinum trophy at home with one of the ears just knocked off. Yeah. Okay. I'll um. I'll I'll, I'll keep I'll keep it under my hat. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Listeners, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com, just like David Salazar did. And he has a simple question. He just wants to know, is it hit points or health points? HP. <coughs> well, David, I hear you have an answer to this question. Well, I have an answer to your question, which was, what does D&D refer to it as? Mm-hmm. Which is hit points, I believe. Unless, you know, I, I, I imagine Swain has played more D&D than I have. That's right, wow. though. It's classically hit points, but they're, <laughs> sometimes they evolve the language, like Dungeon Master became Game Master because you can place your story anywhere. But I am <laughs> That's heavily true? on the Game side. Game Master? Uh, they're not, called, they're can, not Dungeon Masters anymore? People no say one, DM all the time. No one's going to push back at you for saying DM. <laughs> But GM, GM is a general manager. GM is all, well, HP is Hewlett Packard. So, um, but GM is also in circulation now for sure, especially as as uh, DMs, you know, do more and more unorthodox like settings or themes or tones. It's always expanding. I don't know. I think that anything said, can be a dungeon if you put your mind to it. Because of D and D, going back to you know my earliest memories, I'm always going to say hit points. Yeah, D and D definitely goes hit. I've never even heard health points. I think this yeah. is an amazing conversation. And even though I do, I, I've only ever casually played <clears throat> D&D, I've always just said hit points in video games. Mm-hmm. I've heard health bar. Health bar. But your health bar is filled with hit points. Yeah, and if you say, <laughs> if you say hit bar, get out. Yeah, there's definitely weird conventions in, you know, a lot of it comes from D&D, but that spill over into like video yeah. games or like my daughter, like once you have kids, you sort of realize how weird some stuff is that like as an adult, you haven't thought about in like decades of like, she wanted to know why health, like, why is it always hearts? Why is your health always hearts? I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I guess that doesn't really make any kind of sense. <laughs> but like, Except we, it's your own heartbeat. Your health is, you know, represented by your own heartbeat. Yeah, right? but like, you know, you got a brain. But your you whole body. It. Right. It could yeah. be a little brain. <laughs> it why should not? just be little turkeys. We learned that in <laughs> Castlevania. It's, it's just yeah, like food it's, it's mutton. Yeah. It's <laughs> like cult, cultural stuff that like you just absorb. And then what's a little sad is now she's seven. And like, I don't get those questions as much anymore. Cause like now, you know, she knows a little bit more about how the world works, but like when they're really little, you get funny questions about that, that like mm-hmm. make something in your brain just go like pop where you're like, Oh yeah, that is weird. <laughs> you know what they call learning all that XP. Yeah, mm. that's true. That's true. classic for me is the, like show anyone who's, you know, 20 years or younger, the button that you click on to save a file. And they'll be like, yeah. what is that little square with the triangle on the edge? Like, what is yeah. that? I, know. I mean, people point out that on like on uh, your phone, like the symbol for to make a call is like a like an old pickup <laughs> off the wall phone. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Like, Klondike 455. Yeah. Yeah. You can't find those anywhere. No. And why do you hang up a phone when you're done with a phone call? Um. It, it is interesting, though, if, you, if you're thinking of it's hit points or health points, it does sort of change the f- philosophy of what that represents, <clears throat> right? Because if it's hit points, it's this is how many hits you can take until you expire. And then if it's your health points, this is how much health you have left until you expire. It's just a different way of looking. It's an entirely different way of looking at it. <clears throat> and if you go all the way back to early D&D, uh, does anyone know the term Thacko? Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, that used to be. You'd have to remember what? your Thacko all the time instead of AC armor class. It was uh, what it was like the chance, chance to hit armor chance. class zero. Yeah, the yeah, chance to hit armor class zero, and so a lower number was better. It, old D and D was super weird, where you would put on armor, and instead of mitigating damage, it just made you easier to dodge. <laughs> like yeah. you weren't like absorbing damage, which is what logically you would think you're doing with armor, but instead the enemies would just miss more. Second edition D&D was like the original From Software game. You had to mm-hmm. read a giant book to understand mm-hmm. how to play it. Mm-hmm. But this is an acronym? How, how, how yeah. does it work? How does it pronounce? Yeah, it's, it's T-H-A-C-0. So it's Thacko and it's chance, okay. chance to hit armor class zero. What, but what you is T it? in there? Why is T in the there? C, the, to C hit. Is, the C the, is silent. Okay. The ch- I don't know. No, no, it's... 
to hit armor class zero. To hit armor class zero. Okay. There you go. Thank you. My bad. Oh. I almost had it. <laughs> uh, Justin, you saying you're explaining <laughs> things like hearts to your daughter just uh, reminded me real quick. My two year old son, Kingo, loves Cocoa Melon, like most kids mm-hmm. his age. And there is an episode on The Floor is Lava. The kids are playing The Floor is Lava. And any chance I can think of to get him to not watch Cocoa Melon, I was like, I, I want to show him what lo- actual lava is. And I put on like this 4K video of a vol- volcano erupting on, uh, on YouTube. And now he's obsessed with lava. And all he wants to do is just watch like video of, of lava and volcanoes exploding. Yeah. But dude, like the, what's crazy is like that stuff spirals of like, you know, next birthday or Christmas, like probably going to want some volcano like book. And then it like and then it like but that stuff becomes like it's so much pressure, like it becomes like a part it's of their, their personality now. Yeah, that's yeah. for like the next eight years. Um, and then then you get like, I'm not into I haven't been into volcanoes yeah. in years, dad. I like volcanoes uh, anymore. All right. <laughs> Let's see. This is Jim. Jim writes in to say, longtime listener, first time writer. First off, thanks for all that you guys do. I love the effortless chemistry you guys exude and Scoop Day is one of my weekly highlights. Same, Jim. (coughs) Question, I've been a gamer since the NES days, really hitting my stride with the Super Nintendo. Music has always been a big part of the enjoyment of games for me with games like Chrono Trigger, Donkey Kong, Symphony of the Night, and of course, gems like Link to the Past (coughs) and Mario being iconic. My first question is, do you think, like I do, that video game music has somehow was somehow generally better in the 90s? It could entirely be nostalgia, but I think the constraints of the medium made for better art. In particular, <clears throat> due to memory issues, the, off, the music would often loop, making music that much more critical to get right. Um, so I'll admit, this is a topic we've had multiple mm-hmm. times on GameScoop, but I love this topic and I'm always happy to have it. Uh, again, to have this discussion again. Um, first of all, whether or not it was better in the 90s, I think that's entirely subjective. Does anyone feel differently? No. As no surprise as the guy who I maybe before we started taping talked about how much I love Kid Chameleon music. Uh, <laughs> I completely agree with uh, the person who wrote in and I do. I'm so happy they used the word constraints because I think that's exactly it. Like when we when I saw what we were going to talk about today, I was like, that's what it was. It was that the mechanics were simpler. You still had to deliver an experience that would keep people engaged over a long period of time. And you only had a simple like color palette, so to speak, to work with. I'm just remembering even objectively bad games. Like there's a game called Fatal Rewind or like uh Chalkin. I forget what the, yeah. s- the subtitle was, yeah. but <laughs> Pillars of Eternity or something. Um, that's a different game. But regardless. Yep. I agree completely. I think it was an aspect of the fact that they had to design uh, on a budget or like on a note budget. And at the same time, we're all trying to top each other. I just think that's so incredible when you get to the point where a game soundtrack is basically almost just a film orchestral soundtrack. It, It might be objectively better. So there is a nostalgia element like it might be just as good. You know, if John Williams did a game soundtrack, I'm sure it would be better than the Kid Chameleon soundtrack if you're, a, you know, a music theorist. Take but, that, Williams. But there was something about the fact that they were so hook driven and so catchy that like the I just uh, when I work now, I play this YouTube playlist that's all orchestral remasters of the Super Mario World soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And I can never I'll never leave 90s gaming soundtracks. <laughs> I think they are my heart. Well, I mean, I, I certainly love them as well. My my issue about it, you know, the being just better is just, I just, you know, any sort of uh, like I, who's to I, say, we're, right. we're, we're like, we're like horror movies better in the eighties than they are today. <laughs> well, I think so. But, you know, that's just my opinion. Yeah. What I will agree with, with though, is um, the constraints of the time uh, pr- produced um, or resulted in some really incredible music. I think it's pretty well known that constraints can be a real driver of creativity. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, but then like the constraint, like th- as a kid, I would play a video game. For a thousand hours that had 45 thing. seconds of music in it. <laughs> like we yeah. just, and it's like, I'm nostalgic for that stuff now. But like the reason I'm so nostalgic for the Legend of Zelda theme song is because it just looped. It's like 45 seconds of yeah. music. That's just Pavlovian. Yeah. I think we have the pressure on the composer to make sure that they right. could loop something that didn't annoy the hell out of people. Though yeah. They have to make it like the most dope ass chorus you've ever heard in your life in order for you to hear it, you know, a hundred times a night for yeah. months in a row. 
Yeah, we have to be honest with ourselves that like a, a lot of this music stuck with us merely because we heard it uh, repeated so many times. Like, That's is right. it you know, yeah. is it is it better than you know uh, most film scores? Well, I mean, most most people don't watch movies more than once. I think so. The score goes over you one, you hear it one time, you're never going to remember a note of it. But if you watch that movie a thousand times, then the score is probably going to mm-hmm. start sticking with you. Well, and a hook is a hook. So it's like if you, if, yeah. and, the, and the way you work it into a song is important, how repetitive it is. Uh, classical music has motifs that, that are show up more, perhaps more rarely than pop music, far more rarely. So you don't hear the hook as much. And so it's harder to you know, acclimate to that. There are games that are orchestrated um, that have really good hooks that stick with you um, from the past generation, past or the 2000s. I can think of Shadow of the Colossus. That game, like that music's mm-hmm. always going through my head. Yes, it's super hooky. It repeats all the time. You hear it a lot during the game, and it's orchestrated and great. You know, I would put that up there with a fantastic soundtrack. Metroid Prime is similar. That game has like crazy electronic music, but it reinterprets the Metroid music in much, I think, cooler and better ways than the first Metroid game. Uh, uh, super Metroid has a really good <clears throat> soundtrack, um, but I like that stuff too. So sometimes those variations come back in like really cool ways. It- I do wonder, like, the amount of, like, talent that came out of, like, early Japanese game developers on the composing side is, like, you know, I don't just like that music because I heard it a million times as a kid. Like, Hoji Kondo is a is genius, right? And, like, you know, people like Yoko Shimomura Capcom that did the Street Fighter music. Like, she's a genius. Like, that's incredible. And I'm like, I'm like is there something, like, were they drawn to this new medium of video games? Or, like, did the constraints sort of force them to come up with, like, these incredible hooks, like, I'm not really sure, but, like, I feel like there's a disproportionate number of, like, bangers and, like, just talent that came out of that era that is still sort of reverberating through the video game industry today. Yeah, it's it must have been cool at the time. At, you know, if you're in the 80s, you're, like, a composer uh, making music for games. It's an entirely new field <laughs> for music composers that just didn't exist mm-hmm. a few years before, right? So, I don't know. I always kind of thought, I'm sure that they were just, like, well, pretty pretty stoked to have a full time job writing music. <laughs> and from a songwriting perspective, they, a lot of those games wrote songs. They wrote tunes or songs, whereas games now write scores, and scores mm-hmm. can be, you know, the, as all this adaptive stuff. So we, while you're running around in Elden Ring, there's just a suspended strings going on in the background. There's no yeah. real music, you know, until you start a fight. And then uh, same with same with Horizon Two. There's just a lot of just ambiance, and then kind of like you know, maybe not, not that orchestration that might not have a lot of hooks and that might just be bombastic or convey a feeling, you know, that's more, that's more like film scoring. And it's a really similar to TV <clears throat> scoring. Like if you watch TV shows that have full uh, scoring, like, you know, they, they're doing 24 episodes a season. And for the entire hour of that show, there's yeah. background music. Like that's 24 yeah. probably like that's yeah. that's a lot you know and so it's like they're just not writing to the same um <clears throat> same purposes but i think those early games because of the constraints because of the demands of like making a rep- repetitions track they're really thought of as like little hooks and songs and ditties yeah. as opposed to uh, you know background orchestration i miss the soaring clear melody of the ditty i do feel like mm. like i can't hum anything from destiny 2 i just know that it really makes me feel like shooting stuff when i go into the area <laughs> where you're supposed to shoot stuff but uh yeah i think the last one i remember or that really sticks in my head is like i know every note of the gregorian chant from the beginning of halo which um, yeah. yeah. sort Halo's of was in one. the middle of the Mention. transition but mass, mass effect had memorable music because of the people yeah, really like the, the death sure. scene down, 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 And that game had really cool instrumentation. So like that was a whole nother way for it to stand out is that it was using, you know, 70 synthesizers to make a yeah, futuristic. At the time, like, I love stuff like that. Yeah. It was a unique soundtrack at the time. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Running a little bit short on time. So that brings us to this week's, Video Game 20 Questions. Our suggestion this week comes from Eric from Sweden. So it is Eric with a K. <coughs> ah. Let that be a hint to you. Uh, I will not. Let the questioning begin. Does this game soundtrack feature a highly memorable hook melody that we could all hum? Mm, I don't think so. I know. I don't think mm. that's you would say and- that. Damon would be able to answer that very differently after today's Kid Chameleon conversation. If it was Kid <laughs> Chameleon. That's true. So we've eliminated Kid Chameleon. 
Mm-hmm. Possibly Mega Man 3. No. Definitely Castlevania 1. FF7. Um, yeah, a lot of stuff. Uh, does this game have chiptune style music pre orchestrated? No. no. Very definitive. Uh, did, did this game come out in the last 10 years? Yes. Since 2012. It's, it's, it's uh, 2022 right now. Thanks for doing the <laughs> quick math there, Justin. Is this yeah. game a console exclusive? Yes. Is it for Sony? Yes. That's five. Is it a is it a PlayStation Four console exclusive? No. Well, <laughs> uh, let's see. Doing some more quick math here. Is it a PlayStation Five console exclusive? Yes. I feel like you didn't need to ask that, but also we eliminated the Vita, so thank you. Yeah, it's I true. know. I was. It could have been. He could sneak a Vita game in there. So wait. So PS Five exclusive. There's not that many of them. Right. Eternal. Death Loop. Eternal Death Loop. That's probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, Plank. You know what Miles Morales has a really good something that video games do really well now is um like real world music, like moments mm-hmm. of like the best musical moments in games that have mm-hmm. an actual soundtrack song coming into them. We can eliminate um, Deathloop and and well, I don't know where Returnal was developed, but uh Spider-Man was developed in the United States, right? Uh Housemark did Returnal, so they're in Europe. Europe, yeah. So was this developed in the United States of America? No. All right. So what are we left with? Deathloop or Returnal? Yep, or a Japanese uh, game. Yeah, I mean, they're not the only two exclusives, but it's probably one of those two. Do you play as a, as a woman? Yes. It's Returnal. I want to do one more just to narrow it down for sure. I was going to ask if it featured a time loop. Then I realized they both do. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Go for um, it. Uh, is this like a roguelike style game? Yes, it is. And that's 10. Is it Returnal? Congratulations. The losing streak has been broken. Oh, so, oh, rude. Boom, boom, boom. so rude. It is Returnal with 11 questions. I congratulated you. I congratulated yeah, you. It's a good thing. Backhanded. You're we're not. We're not losers. You're. You're not losers anymore. <laughs> or it's a spectrum. You're less losers than you were yesterday. <laughs> a winner is you now. Returnal. Yeah. Another tough, tough game that I tough finally game. fell off in the middle of and felt bad is about a, myself. Is this for. a Swedish company? Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I don't know for sure. Is it House Mark with a House Mark with a K? With a, oh, Q. with a Q. Yeah. That's right. Klaus Mark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, no. That's not right. <laughs> um, we, since you got that so early, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer. We're going to do a lightning round on this question we got from Andrew from Augusta, Georgia. He, he's asking, about, are there examples of sequels that forego, for, forgave the mechanics of the, of the previous games and went into a different direction and were disappointing? For for went the mechanics or went, maybe or went the I don't mechanics. know <laughs> that seems what's in my brain but I don't know yeah I don't um, know what either of you are trying to say but they abandoned the mechanics of the previous game <laughs> they changed you can you think yeah. of a game that you know went to in too much of a different direction with the sequel and you wish it were more like the original was the question absolutely yeah. uh, I remember this was a thing at the time uh, I'm old enough to recall like. The frustration among hardcore fans, I don't think anyone agrees with me anymore, but I think Fallout should be a top-down isometric board oh. game with little pieces. Wow. I don't like the first-person turn that Fallout took. Even wow, though New Vegas, New Vegas is one of my favorite storylines in any game period, uh, especially the DLC content was phenomenally like emotionally connective to me, but I just liked the little AP bar and being from Arroyo yeah. and wandering around on the hex grid. I loved it. I mean, something interesting about that is like Bethesda being the big AAA developer that they are kind of had no choice but to make this big, you know, summer blockbuster version of Fallout. But now that it's all under the Microsoft umbrella, like we could totally have our cake and eat it, too. Like they could make some big AAA Fallout and we could get some more like traditional CRPG style Fallout. They should let they should let Obsidian make it and use the Pillars of Eternity uh, Mm -hmm. engine, Mm. that isometric RPG engine and make a new Fallout in that style. Mm-hmm. Yeah, New Brotherhood of Steel game for sure. I think that the in terms of like gameplay and controls, I, I really don't like the move from Assassin's Creed that now every, a lot of other people are doing, including 
uh, Horizon uh, to trigger based uh, melee combat. I think that's mm. silly. It really but threw me for a loop in uh, Dying Light too. I just find Dude, it hard oh, to yeah. do the parkour. It's so combat. weird. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. Like the face buttons make sense to me for that, and I like augmenting them with the shoulder and like kind of combining <clears> them. Like I don't know. It just seems limiting to me. I don't really understand it. Yeah, didn't that come from Dark Souls though? Maybe, but Assassin's Creed Origins is the first time I played you a did. game where, where, yeah. where I had already played a game that like it transformed that into and, yeah, to the spirit of the question. Yeah. Well, I thought for sure everyone would say Double Dragon Five. <laughs> yeah, yeah. once they two. took out the battle codes. <laughs> well, really dude, Double Dragon Five is the one-on-one fighting game, which is like I get it. Mm. You know, it, it, Double Dragon's pretty old at that point, and Street Fighter Two is the hottest thing in the world. But make it a spinoff. Don't make it a numbered sequel in the series. What about Donkey Kong 3? They just changed it to a vertical shooter. <laughs> I actually, I have a lot of uh, love for Donkey Kong 3. But I think um, when you reach level 4 or 5, it just becomes impossible. Yeah. yeah. Invent, I mean, invent the-, the platformer, abandon the platformer was the, that yeah. series. <laughs> Yeah. In the earliest days of video games, you just there were no you could just do whatever you wanted. There was no cops. The se- being a sequel didn't mean anything because there was no story to begin with. You're Stanley um, now, and the bugs yeah. are attacking. You also throw turnips in this one. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mario Two in the U.S. would be a pretty good answer. My, my so answer is a great like, game. Yeah, yeah but I, like, you wish know, Mario like Two it. were more like the first one. No, I'm just saying like it's very different. Big right? departure. Like, it's a very yeah, floaty um, princess. My choice is Zelda 2, as is many people. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I was, I was going to mention that one, too. I don't like that game's gone through a real arc of like for, you know, 20 years, kind of like nobody liked it because then Link to the Past came out and gave people what they wanted. And then people came around and said, actually, Zelda 2 is pretty good. It doesn't deserve all the hate. But now I feel like it's come back around again where they're <laughs> like, nah, nah, we don't need it. Well, Zelda's let's, let's make Link bigger, but but what should we do with the sword? Let's make it smaller. <laughs> it's so tiny. It's, it's like such a, a tiny little sword. It is. Zelda's master an dagger. Zelda's an interesting use case because they almost reinvent Zelda with every new entry. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're right. We only got well. How many? Well, found absor- Majora's Mask upsetting because of the gameplay ch- changes in them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Banjo Kazooie, nuts and bolts. Even though I actually liked that game, I totally get that that you know it's not mm-hmm. like a 3D platformer anymore. It's this mm-hmm. 3D build vehicle, build a vehicle game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam, what about Metroid Other M? Oh my god! I didn't want to think but about like, that game. But they, <laughs> it wasn't yeah. bad, but you know what a weird. Well, that's turn. a case. Now we are getting both, you know, with yeah. Dread. So I'm a big fan mean, oh, of Prime and Dread. That's all. Just that we're getting the 2D and the 3D. Or right. Yeah, um, historically. Other yeah. yeah. Other M, M was is... just some bullshit. Yeah. That's, that, there's a difference between like, you know, other M's just like not very good. Yeah. You know, like not, not very good sequels come out all the time. Yeah. But it had, it had a crazy gameplay. It was like a, a locked camera that you like hopped around in front of. Like so strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like more. the 3D land Mario games very much compared to others. I mean, they're fine, but I don't like that gameplay change. I'm surprised that that series continues instead of like full 3D Mario or 2D Mario. There's like the Mario Land ones. And it is really interesting. Like Super Mario 64 is in my top five games of all time. I don't think it'll ever not be in there. Like I absolutely adore it, but it's not, it's not a platformer. Like it's an exploration adventure. Like all of Mario is like jumping on enemies heads and breaking bricks and like jumping around on platforms. And that's not, this game is like puzzle solving and running around these open levels and finding stars. It was a completely different thing, which I I've always found really wild. Mm. And, you know, Odyssey sort of brought that back, that same ethos sort of forward into modern Mario. Yep. Tetris two took a dumb turn. Check that. Out. <laughs> and then check out Hatchris and Wordtris. What was the water one? Wetris? Wetris. Is that what it was called? Tetris I think so. Also Tetris Fear. Tetris World. Is that another one? Mm. They were just making stuff up now. Okay, that's all the scoops <laughs> that we have for you this week. Thank you, Sam, Scoop-tris. Justin, Swain. Thank you for sitting in with us this week. Always a pleasure. Swain Scoop. Thank you to Alan working behind the scenes to make this episode possible. Uh, remember, you can always reach us at the email address, gamescoop at IGN.com. My name is Damon. This is IGN Gamescoop. And we're out.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.